Albers. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah, let's record. That. Get that already. <laughs> we can record it. Should I start over? I just feel like oh, my eyebrows, Celeste, and you're a beauty person. And I'm like, oh, my eyebrows are naked here. What's going on? Um, Celeste has no makeup on today. <laughs> they has a spot and all the situations, the wrinkles coming out today. Yeah, these are my real eyebrows. These are my authentic, relatable eyebrows, Celeste. I and me, this is am I underneath these beautiful eyebrows? I am Rachel K. Albers. Yeah. I'm a brand strategist gone wild. A, the court jester of online business. And that's just a fancy way of saying that I, 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 there's two parts to me. One side of me is that I help brands one-on-one -on -one to build ethical, unforgettable businesses. And I do that with my clients on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And my side hustle, my passion, if you will, is muckraking about marketing, which is, a, is also a fancy way of saying, kind of stirring the shit up a little bit finding the truth about not what brand culture can do for us, like how branding can improve our lives. Cause there's plenty of people talking about that. You can find the, there's a, there's a sea of them out there, but I'm more actually interested in what is the culture of branding doing to us as people, as we are moving into an economy where more and more of us are entrepreneurs and working for ourselves and kind of being encouraged to put ourselves in these little productized personal brand boxes. What is that doing to our humanity? So that's me. Thank you. So excited. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. Yes, so let's get to it. So why did I invite Rachel to the podcast? I'm so honored that she's here. It's because, especially for us, like I'm in the beauty industry, right? And I've learned something from years being in business. I come from insurance background. I've worked in the school system as well. It doesn't matter what type of industry you're in. We always get into this whole freaking thing of being in the box, having to be a certain way so we can be quote unquote successful and quote unquote, we can grow. And through the process, we lose ourselves. We lose why the heck we even started our business, why it makes us different. We forget to be humans. And for me, I am currently in a stage of my business is not my whole life. And I don't need to share my whole life for my business. I don't need to sell myself and be like everybody else. And it's okay. And um, especially for us, like, you know, just the beauty industry having to be like a certain way and aesthetically, you know, which I've been fighting for the past two years. Like I don't have to have my hair curled and I don't have to have all makeup on to be talented or to be worthy of having a clientele and having a business. So I just think it's so important that we start having a real, true, authentic conversation of people who have actually gone through it. And I know Rachel has an amazing, your journey, which you're still on has really been really impactful and I love your YouTube um your videos what what's the channel for that because I want people to watch them like you guys have to watch this video I was like <gasps> if you I can could find me on awkwardmarketing.tv that'll take you to my YouTube it'll take you down the rabbit hole there's a lot in there you'll laugh you might cry uh and you're gonna you're gonna be a new person <laughs> here I come in with the big brand promises Celeste here you come. 
but no, honestly, your show's freaking amazing. I don't even know how the hell you do that. I'm just like stunned. And I'm just laughing the whole thing. And I'm just like, how is she doing this? I don't know, but I'm loving every second of this. So yeah, for sure. You guys have to check that one out. I don't know how I do it either, Celeste. It's uh, I constantly surprise myself. I'm like, <laughs> can I do this again tomorrow? I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned. <laughs> so what are you seeing right now in the space with online education and branding that has caused like this whole like revolution part of what you're doing today? Well, over the last year, I have been really examining, you know, I've worked in building my agency where I work with rebranding businesses that burn the rule book. That is who I work with rebels, renegades, revolutionaries. And I've been working um, on helping people build their personal brands for almost 13 years. It's my 13th year of business. And over the last year, I've been really kind of examining, like I said, not from the angle of what branding can do for us, because that's been done, been there, done that. But I've really been looking at how do we arrive at this, what I call the age of the personal brand. We're in this moment in history where the internet has put into all of our hands, whether we're in business or not, the tools to brand ourselves, right? And whether or not, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're even, you know, just an employee or somebody, you know, a student coming onto the job market for the very first time, everyone is being encouraged to brand themselves and treat themselves like a commodity, like a product to put on the shelf. And so I've been really looking at that the historical roots of that. How did we get here? How did we evolve to this point? And then kind of looking at, like you said, there's a lot of talk about authenticity out there, right? But it's this branded kind of capitalist version of authenticity that's like, be authentic in the following ways, right? Like, you know, we're selling to each other this myth of our authentic, relatable selves, when in reality, what we're giving to our audiences in many cases is a sanitized version, like the safe way of being authentic, certain rules around what does vulnerability mean. So that's what I've been looking at. That's what I've been studying. And I think, honestly, like you said, we get to a point where we start making life choices based on what is going to play for the algorithm, what is our audience going to respond best to versus what is true to us, what is best for us as people. And in this process, we lose ourselves. We start to be like, who am I anymore? Am I a person? Am I a product? Am I both? And so that's kind of what I've been seeing out there in the landscape. Yeah, let me see here. Sorry about that. Someone's trying to call me. I'm like, what? Let's see. Rachel, are you here with me? I'm sorry. I thought that uh, the the internet connection died. So I like to turn everything off. Okay. (laughs) We're back. Where'd you go? Um, and it's so true. It's so freaking true. Even like, and, and you get to a point, like even for me, I'm like, I share my struggles, not because I want to be relatable to somebody. It's because I want to be real and authentic. Of how the hell did I get to this point? Like what caused the change? What caused me to go this extreme? And the reality of it, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but then I get to the point even for myself where I'm like, wait, am I, I'm not a product, I'm a human. So do I even want to really share that? Like, is you know, like you get to that little fine line, like how much do I share? And if I don't, am I still being authentic? Right. And is, is 
monetizing our authenticity, the ultimate goal. You know, I think that we've gotten to a point where it's like, we're glad, like we are getting confused about authenticity versus crafting our lives around what we think authenticity looks like, right? And, and then we get like, wait a minute, do I share my whole life? Do I share one part of my life? Like, what do I share? And I'll tell you what, if you want to share your whole life, I already did it. Been there, done that. I did it and you can too, but I don't recommend it because I got to a point last year in 2021 where I kind of hit a breaking point. I burned out hard, 12 years in business, been doing this work and I hit a wall and I kind of had a, a bit of a public meltdown and I decided to just like broadcast my meltdown on Instagram. I was on Instagram all day, every day, sharing kind of like my real, and this was very real, very authentic thoughts of what I felt like the branding industry was doing to us. Some of the harmful kind of leaders and celebrity personal brands who are exploiting people. And what's really interesting about this whole messaging around authenticity, everyone's like, be real, share your truth, do it. You know, I did that. I did that to the extreme. And the reaction was not supportive. Like the reaction was like, oh my gosh, she must be nuts. And that truly is what ended up happening in response to the people were like, oh no, this isn't Rachel's authentic self. This is Rachel having a collapse. She needs help. She's probably out of her mind, literally. Let's, you know, maybe she needs to be put away and medicated and like put behind, like, you know, lock her up in a padded room. She's gone over the deep end. And what, so what was so wild and painful about that was that after 12 years of essentially turning myself into a product and becoming someone that I really wasn't, I had created this brand yeah. for myself that other people thought that they knew who I was. And then when I finally stepped out and said, I was like, actually, here's who I really am. And this is what I really think. And yeah, I was, I was pretty fired up. I won't lie. I mean, I was pretty intense, but I was sharing my authentic truth. People were like, nope, stop right there. This isn't you you don't know your own mind. You you're insane. Like really, truly, literally. So that was the feedback that I got from very many people. So it was really interesting that in this whole world of authenticity and this talk about being relatable and vulnerable and sharing your truth. Um, when we say that we're actually, we've got an agenda and we've got a certain kind of template that we think that that needs to correspond to like sharing my truth is like, look at me in my messy kitchen. Oops. I'm not wearing any eyebrows today. I don't have any eyebrows. Now I'm being relatable. But when I'm like, I'm not going to sugarcoat shit. Here's how I really feel about this industry and how it's harming us. People are like, oh, nope, sorry. Too much truth. Can you just dial back on the truth? Take a little bit of the truth out of that mix. Maybe you could lie to us a little bit more again. We like that side of you. And that's the truth though. Like, you know, even for me, like I've noticed, but I'm like, you know what? It's bullshit. Like you guys are talking about this, but what actions are you guys taking? Oh, we don't like that. Less like unfollow, and that's okay. Like it doesn't hurt my feelings. It's okay, but I can't like. And you have to get to a point too where you're strong enough to be like, hey, not everybody's gonna resonate with this message. Not everybody's gonna like this message. But at the end of the day, I can go to sleep and it feels good. I need you to sell me a million dollar course on how to not care what other people think, Celeste, because I am not quite there yet. And I like to say like, okay, be yourself as soon as possible, because if you're pretending to be something that you're not, you're going to build a bunch of relationships around, along the lines of that person that you're pretending to be. And not that I was really consciously doing that, but as I said, I had created kind of a branded version of myself. And when I came yeah. out as me, 
I lost a lot of people. I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of like co, you know, like business colleagues. And, 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 you know, it's a year later and it hurts. It still hurts. I'm like, man, I should have just been myself from day one and people could have opted in or opted out from the start. Now I got to start all over. It feels like, and that's what I've been doing. I like built my audience again from scratch in many ways. And, uh, Ooh, so I'll take that, you know, like five-step program for not giving a crap about what people think about you because <laughs> I'm not there. I'm not quite there yet. Well, like, but on, to be honest, like even for me from the beginning, for example, like, so I'm a bilingual educator, right? So I speak English and Spanish, my content is in both languages. All the experts told me that would never work. And to this day, even when, you know, like some, they're like, don't do it. I still do it. And it takes a lot because sometimes I feel like I'm broken. And that whole part of like you say, like not caring what others say is not that you don't care. Sometimes you even doubt yourself like, damn, am I broken? Like, am I doing something wrong? But it just, for me, it's just like, dude, I need to be able to sleep at night and feel good. If I sold the product or if I'm being who I am, like I feel good about that for me, not for other people. And like you were talking about the whole like branding yourself part of it. Even for me, I had to, I did a post. My last post was about that. It was like, dude, like this is my business account. I don't share how Celeste, the person, the human feels at all times, mentally, physically, emotionally, because it's a business account. And just putting it out there because I want to keep myself to myself. <laughs> I don't want to share everything. And I feel like you can still be authentic and relatable without having to share every freaking thing you do every freaking day. I love that. I want to keep myself to myself. I am going to quote you on that, Celeste. That is a good one. And that's a really powerful way to look at this for sure. Uh, yeah. So it's not necessarily that you don't care. It's more, and like, I think this is speaking to why I did what I did when I was like burning it all down and on my stories and share, it was also coming from this place of, I, I mean, listen, I'm in this very interesting position because as a brand strategist and someone who's worked with people, hundreds of people on their marketing plans and their websites and their business models and their, you know, brand photos and all the things I have been able to work with, you know, when you include my speaking gigs and my workshops, thousands of people over the years and most of them get to a place in their branding journey where they do feel broken, where they start not just to doubt themselves as business owners over that, that's a big part of it as well but they start to doubt who they are as people. They start to get into this place where they lose themselves and they feel broken and they feel like some, and, and they feel broken for various reasons, partially because they're like, okay, I followed all the experts. I did what they said. I took all the classes. I took all the programs and I'm still not achieving the types of success that have been promised to me through kind of like the bro marketers and the seven figure hustlers and all those folks out there. And so they feel that means something about the quality of their business, the quality of their work, the quality of their selves, right? And so I got to a place where I was like, I need to speak to this pain. You know, we're talking about speaking to pain points, to this pain point, this pain point of thinking that our brands and their how they're received by our audiences make us broken or that feeling of like, am I nuts? Is this really happening? Am I the only one? I wanted to speak to that because, because there are so many kind of like, we gloss over the hard parts, or we only frame the hard parts in these very acceptable vulnerability terms. Um, and there's a darker, deeper side to this that I think is going missed, or we're skipping over it. I spoke to one of my friends 
who has a pretty prominent brand. A few years ago, she went through a really tough dry spell in her business. Like she, after years of having a very thriving business, she suddenly was not, you know, getting new clients and she was stressing out and, you know, was down to the last nubs of her revenue and all that kind of stuff. And she went and she shared about that a few months later while she was still kind of in the middle. She hadn't arrived at the place where she's like, and now everything's great and I'm a millionaire and all these things. She was still kind of digging her way through it. And one of the big branding names in the industry texted her and was like, take that down right now. Because if you're a leader, you need to look like a success at all times. You cannot share this messy side of your journey until it's far in your rear view mirror because otherwise people won't trust you. And you know, that his advice is the prevailing wisdom. It's like, we only share the messy parts when they're behind us or when we can turn it into some sort of a feel-good story. Like, oh, I was at rock bottom and then I did this and I became a millionaire and I'm great now. And it's like, mm. some of the, you know, there we go through peaks and troughs and sometimes those troughs are long. It's not just, you know, I implemented these three steps and now I'm better, right? And so- I, I found it really interesting that this, I mean, this person ended up like, you know, heavily editing and revising the story she was sharing the, with the world, according to this advice, don't share the pitfalls until they're in your rear view. Cause otherwise people won't trust you. And I kind of think, well, I mean, we've created a mythology where a lot of people are adhering to that. So that when you are the odd one out who shares the darkness, maybe while it's happening or if, while in, you know, before it's fully resolved, we do kind of looked twice at that. But, you know, if you want to talk about building trust and true relatability, I think that's where the trust is. It's not in the glitzy overnight success story. It's in showing up in the middle. And maybe it doesn't mean you're sharing like all of your life's details during that, but it means working through like vulnerability isn't talking about the thing. It's doing the thing and being willing to be visible midway through before you're this glossy expert because none of, none of us are, have you ever met anybody who knows what they're doing other than like a mediocre white man? Like who knows what they're doing here in this world? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like a trial and error type of thing. It's like, is it working out or not? I'm like, what the hell do I need to tweak today? And that is business. That is marketing. Like as somebody who is, you know, this is my job. I can tell you there is no kind of holy grail that you're going to arrive at as a business owner where you're going to be like, okay, I tried all these things. They didn't work. And then finally I found the thing and now it's going to work for the rest of my life. It's like, yeah, you'll find the thing. It works. And guess what? Then the world changes, your audience changes, the culture changes, you change, and you've got to go back to trial and error again. There's never going to be like that one stop, like ultimate solution to end all solutions that you can just ride for the rest of your life. You're always going to, and I think a lot of people, that's one of the misconceptions they have around marketing is that like, oh, if they hire someone like me or they hire a business coach or they hire a whatever, we're going to give you some secret that you can just do this and automate it for the rest of your life. No, marketing is trial and error, partially because it, marketing is responding to human culture and yeah. it is fitting into human culture and human culture is always freaking changing. You know, like think about all the changes we've experienced throughout the world of just over the last two years, right? Yeah. We've experienced dramatic shifts in culture from no one working from home or a very small minority to like, you know, a huge percentage of the workforce working from home among other things, right? The great resignation, all of that stuff. So there is no marketing holy grail, but people don't like to hear that. They want you to hear, tell them a fairy tale where it's like, here's my funnel and then you can get into it and you'll never have to leave it again. And it's like, well, 
And I love that you said that, Rachel. And that's what I want to pause right now. There is no holy grail. There is no three-step system that's going to save you for the rest of your life. Being in business, marketing, and anything, you're going to have to, you know, shift. It's going to be part of it. It's going to work for a little while. And then you're going to have to shift again. And even with like this whole like online programs and everything, I just think it's a lot of bullshit out there that they are promising people that, hey, like this is going to work for you. And if it doesn't, then you're broken or you did something wrong. Exactly. I would wager that most of the celebrity personal brand business courses, like most of like the leading courses, I mean, some of them are fine. I always say they're fine. They're not mm -hmm. groundbreaking. And the truth is when you take something like business strategy or marketing strategy or brand or what any of these things, and you scale it to serve thousands and thousands at a time, it's going to be the minority of students who achieve the extreme awesome results. And that's just because this type of business information cannot be scaled. Like it can't, you can't take one lesson for how to build a business and apply it to everyone on the planet. It's just, that's not, if it only, that's how it works. I like to say like the only overnight success businesses are the businesses that are selling overnight success. And, and when you look at a lot of the folks up there who are teaching these big business courses, the leaders, right? The big, the big dogs that are making tens, millions of hundreds of millions of dollars a year. <laughs> Wait, I forgot. Uh, I don't know. When you look at them, you look away and then you forget what you're going to say. No, but when you look at them, most of them and most of the students that achieve like the smash success, you got to pay close attention to what it is they're selling. They're just selling the same thing. It is yeah. a pyramid scheme. It is an MLM. It is a cult, absolutely, because nobody wants to disagree with anybody else. It's all like, we have the same mindset, everybody's. But most of their big success stories are students who took their formulas to go and repurpose and sell the formula to somebody else versus, you know, like, oh, here, this is the person who owns a salon and this person over here sells t-shirts and this guy over here has a you know, his own vacation home system. No, it is not by and large, those types of results. It's people who are selling, selling to people who want to sell. That's, <laughs> those are the big success stories. It's so true. And I've actually have paid close attention to that. I'm like, dude, like you are selling a version of hers with a twist for our, for a different industry. And that's how you are making the money. And even for me, like right now, because I have a mobile salon and I went through the thing, I passed, nobody knows, but you guys are about to find out on the podcast. Um, I passed my state board licensing. So I should have my license this week. Yes, I shared the process. Was I going to fail? I don't know. Maybe I was. <laughs> it was a four month process, but I got it. And I just refused to do the, the BS like, hey, if you buy this or if you do this with me, it's going to be in a month. Like, no, it's going to take work. And yep. we can't you know, and it's just like, the, like you were talking about, it's like, what do we do? Like for all the people out there that want to like go against the status quo is like, what do you do? And how do you stay within yourself, you know, to be in integrity with all this crap going on? Cause like you say, like anytime you go against the grain, it's like, it's not all butterflies and people will not always agree with you. And it's happened to me where I get those nasty DMs or emails or attacks and they're like, ruffling the feathers. <laughs> That's when you know, you're, you know, you're doing something right. Sometimes, sometimes people get mad for good reason. Um, but you know, I think what I've got kind of a, a process that I take people through when I'm helping them to create 
to get clear on their brand values, to get clear on the right you know, person for what they're offering, to get clear on the kind of cornerstones of the content they're going to be creating. And I call it reverse niching um, because, you know, niching is all about like, you know, tar- you know, finding your ideal client, which can be a useful exercise, certainly. But I'll tell you what, after 13 years in the game, any, almost any time I ask somebody, you know, who do they serve? They'll always like whisper to me. They'll be like, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but honestly, I can help everybody. <laughs> and they're like, okay, okay, okay. But like, let me try to break it down. But actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm like my thing, the world needs it, you know? And they struggle to get clear on who their thing is for, right? So I've started playing around with that and reverse engineering that formula, going kind of the backwards way in and asking people, who will you absolutely positively never work with? Who do you not, who is not your idea? Like who is a hard no? And it's funny when you get people whining about something, (laughs) we like to complain, we're complaining people. Who doesn't like a little rant or two? People will go. And, and, and then if I kind of zoom out and ask them about, you know, what do you hate that you see in your industry or what are you, will you never get caught dead doing? Um, people have like really easy answers to that. And when you get those answers, when you start with what you're against Mm -hmm. and you, you can use that to reverse engineer into what's that telling you about your brand values. Like people love to show up on like Facebook or Instagram and like, you know, go off on a rant. And that's yeah. fine. That's fine. You know, like, listen, I, that's what I did for the entire 2021, but, um, this isn't about like getting angry in your content. It's about using the things that frustrate you, the things that, that, you know, make you mad about the clients that aren't a good fit or that things in your industry that you don't agree with and letting those things be a signal, be like a flag pointing you in the direction of your brand values, of what you want, the change that you want to be in the world, in your industry, what your industry needs more of, what is missing from the conversation. And when I first talk about this, people are like, oh, well, I'm not an angry person, RKA. I don't want to, I don't want to yell at my audience. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's my job. You can leave that to me. I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> it's not about showing up angry. It's about letting your anger, you know, anger is a signal showing us what we need to stop and what we want to change, right? Like what we want less of and like what needs to, you know, what needs to end. So it's not about showing up angry, but it's instead about let, letting your anger, letting your frustration guide you towards what the world needs more of and then coming from that place. So if you want to ask me, like, how do you break from the status quo? Like, how do you, you know, use, you know, going against the grain as a jumping off point for the business? That is where I start. What is the, the things that you would get? What are the things that you're against showing you about what you want your brand to be about? I love that. And that is so powerful because we all know what we don't like. Like that is a definite, like, I know why I do not want and I do not stand for. And what a powerful way to begin from that. I've never thought about that. It's a way to use like, you know, what people often term as negative emotions, which I, I'm all about the rainbow. I'm all about every emotion is here to teach us a lesson. (laughs) It's about harnessing and leveraging something negative and turning it into a positive, letting the things that frustrate you turn into fuel, making them um, work for you because we can get stuck in the darkness. We can get stuck in the anger. We can get stuck in the sadness that underlies our anger because most of the time when we're angry, it's because we're deeply sad that something is missing or that we're, our needs aren't being met 
or we're watching harms in the world and we don't know what to do about them. So instead of sitting in the angry place, it's about turning that, transforming that anger into something that actually makes the world better. And I really mean that. So it's it's a cool way to, to start your own little mini revolution in your business and contribute to the collective as we all, you know, all of us who have a heart for a better world are, you know, doggedly putting our own little individual contributions towards that greater whole. Yeah, and, it's, and I love that. And I think it's like it's so powerful, especially for like all of us. Sometimes we think like we're so like I'm so small, you know, I don't have that big of a following. So nobody's gonna listen to me or nobody's gonna be really like impacted by this. But there's people who need that also from us and get like the little awakened moment of like, hmm, let me think about that and start questioning. And like I always say, why can't we agree to disagree? Like all of my friends, we have nothing in common except we're good humans but we can't agree on anything and I love that because we're different and that's the thing and I think with this whole branding and revolution of all in education I am ready to see the true things that hey we're all human and different and this is not going to work for everybody and I can't promise you a million dollars and I can't promise you overnight success like it's going to take part of us too and giving back that responsibility also to our clients giving back that responsibility also to our audience Exactly. And, you know, I think it's easy to get discouraged to think, oh, I'm so small, I'm this little tiny peanut in the, in this world, giant world, I'm a little grain of sand on the, and you, and we are, we are, or there's billions of freaking people out there, like, you know, that we will never meet most of them. So, mm-hmm. and many people will never meet us, but, you know, I was talking to my brother the other day who he's at the end of college and he's about to kind of start his career and he's feeling very disillusioned. Like college kids coming onto the market today are not feeling very, you know, optimistic. It's a rough ride out there. And he was like, you know, I feel alone. And I feel like, you know, all my, all of his friends are trying to get these, you know, getting these big six figure jobs or not all of them, but a lot of them. And he feels like a failure because he's not doing that. And he doesn't even want that. Like he doesn't want that. And he was like, where's the hope? Like, I feel alone. And where's the hope? I'm like, the, you are the hope. And I mean that in, in, in the sense of the fact that you're sitting there and you disagree and that you are like, this cannot stand means like you are literally the hope for somebody else who's like wondering, am I alone here too, right? The fact that you are not content with the status quo, the fact that you are like desiring of a change, you know that you, like the fact that you exist is the hope, right? And now you've got to take that light and shine it. And there's lots of ways to do it. There's ways to do it on a, on a large scale leadership level. Um, which takes time to get to that place. Although our culture is like, everybody's an expert, just pretend, right? But you can do it in that way. You can do it by being the type of person that is just like, you know, I gotta tell you when I'm like in the grocery store or walking down the street and somebody meets me with kindness, it has the power to transform my day, right? And then I go home and I'm in a good mood and I'm kinder to my, you know, to my kid and to my family and to my friends or whoever I'm talking to. And it puts, it makes me wanna pay it forward. So it's like, you know, you can do it on a wide scale level. You can do it on the, on the individual basis of just like being there for the members of the community and client by client at a time. And there's spaces in between there, but the desire to be different, the desire to change like that is the hope, right? Because you still, as long as that fire burns in us to want more, I think that really ultimately is the human condition. Our, our humanity is not meant to be turned into a little product that never changes and sits on the shelf and is like dependable. And it's just like, that's a brand job. Like 
and even then that you know, is questionable, but like, we're not brands, we're people. And I think that the ultimate kind of core essence of being a human being is wanting to continue striving forward and changing things around us, right? That is what it is to be a person. Yeah, and it's so true. Like we have to remember that part too. Like we get to evolve. I am not the same person I was last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, thank God. You know, thank God I get to grow and change my mind. It's like we change our haircuts and our style and what we wear and our makeup and everything, our aesthetics for our home. We are constantly evolving creatures and so is our business and it's all good. I think it's so important that we let our voice out there. Like it's so much more important than trying to fit in this little boxes and this little molds. And plus we're gonna, you know, attract our own people and our own tribe, you know, like just being who we are. Cause it's a, I would not wanna be somebody else. That sounds like a full-time job. <laughs> It is exhausting. I'll tell you what, I did it for a while and it was, uh, you know, it almost broke me, Celeste. So yeah. And I think, you know, that's what's scary to people is that we want to believe we're going to arrive at the summit, the pinnacle, and then we can just relax, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get my brand. I'm going to get my business to a certain point, And then I can just stop. And I mean, the thing is, if you study the folks that do climb mountains, like I'm kind of like my, one of my fascinations is I love watching documentaries and movies about Mount Everest. I just think it's really, and it's very interesting actually how over the years it has become like very polluted up there. There's like tons and tons of literally tons of human garbage and bodies up on the mountain and, and you're, you're not decomposing because it's frozen up there. But the thing is, if you study the people who climb mountains, once they get to the peak, well, first of all, actually coming down is the hard part on, on Everest. That's when people die. Actually, it's like when they're coming down because they've gotten to the summit and they've used all their energy and then they've got to go down the, you know, down the mountain again. And it's very dangerous. And that's when they make mistakes. So that's one thing. But the real you know thing I was trying to say is that they get down to the bottom of Everest again, if they make it safely and they're like, okay, when's the next one? Like we think we're going to get to the top of Everest and then that'll be enough. And like our inherent humanity says more, 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 which I think is, you know, there's pluses and minuses to that being part of, you know, the human experience, but people get really dis disillusioned or they get discouraged when they, when they hear the truth, which is that this process never ends. They're like, oh, can't there just be like an easy thing that I do? And then like, I like, it's fine. <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're never going to stop changing. And so this is an ongoing journey. Marketing is an ongoing journey. Business is an ongoing journey. Being a person is an ongoing journey. So buckle in, let's have an adventure, you know? And that's the thing. I think it's so important for us to remember it's an adventure. Like it's not going to be a destination because everybody tries to sell you this freaking destination. And even our vacation, when we go on vacation, I went to Cancun. It was freaking amazing but the fun ended and I had to come back home after work, you know, get some more money and do the, all the things all over again. So, and I, I mean, that was, and instead of people being like so sad about it for me, I get excited. I'm like, dude, that's good. If something didn't work out or I did something I didn't really like, I get to change it. I don't have to stay the same. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I traveled the world. Well, kind of for, for about seven or eight years when I first started my business, it wasn't really the goal. I wasn't trying to be a digital nomad. It just, it just happened that I started my business to be able to fund nonprofit work and activism that I was doing in different places. And so that's kind of took the business along with me. And when I eventually moved back home, 
I was very depressed. I was like, okay, I'm back in the suburbs, like where I grew up, like, oh my God, am I going to end up in a cubicle? And I was very stressed. And, you know, the fact that I was able to bring my business with me and that I had built my business, you know, to the point that it was healthy and that it was, you know, I was, I was the sole breadwinner. I was able to have a baby and take care of my family, you know, with my business. So that was really cool that I got to that point, but the business, despite, you know, and this is where I live, I do live in the suburbs now for better or worse, mostly worse. But, um, the fact that I have my business, like was, it, it meant that the adventure continued. And I've got clients all over the world and there's always like somebody new coming through my doorway. And, and I, I mean, that is the best part about it. That is like, there's so many challenges of running your own business. There's a lot of financial pressure, but the fact that the adventure never ends, the fact that like, I don't know. And people would say, okay, what's your ideal business plan? Okay. Like in three years, you're going to be here and then you're going to do this. And I'm like, you know, part of my ideal business plan is that I don't know. I don't want to know. Like I want to be open to like the surprises that are going to show up on my doorstep. Like I can't tell you an example of a person who's living my ideal business model, like that. I, I am going to figure it out. Like, and, and then when I get to the right now, I'm writing a book, that's the next Everest for me. Right. And I know that as soon as I'm done, there's going to be another mountain around the corner, right. That I'm going to want to scale. And I don't need to know what that looks like yet. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I just know this is what I'm climbing right now. And it's a wonderful and exciting and exhilarating. And I didn't know that it was coming two years ago. I had no idea that this was coming for me, this, this amazing adventure. And so I'm excited to see what comes around the next bet. That is the beauty. Well, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of ugliness in business that we don't talk about because we're all trying to glamorize our lives to each other. But I think the best part is not knowing what's around the corner in every way and having the mystery of life before you, like that is really cool. Yes, and I love that you've been able to do that. I'm still trying to learn because I am the type of person like I needed to plan everything and then I got into business and I'm like, oh yeah, this thing is like a roller coaster ride. You do not know what's around the freaking corner. So you just like hang on for the ride. And you know, I focusing on one thing at a time has been transformational for me, but it took years to learn that. And I love how you say that, like you're climbing your Everest right now and it's one thing at a time and it's okay. Like we don't have to be in this freaking like, race of like more 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 and we have to do more and like not feeling like not even enjoying what we're actually working on right now and don't get me wrong like I am a strategist I do have uh I do have kind of like visions of what it could be and I'm always playing the short game and the long game at the same time I'm always like okay you know it took me years I've been running this branding strategy marketing studio for years and about in 2017 is when I started making this very long game pivot with my content. Um, and I run the show, the sketch comedy business show called Awkward Marketing, which is like <laughs> SNL meets business. And that was a Look. very strategic goal that I was investing in the long game. It was not a short game. Like I'm going to do these videos and then make a ton of money from them. It was more like I'm doing these videos to make an investment in my authority and in my content kind of archives as a leader who's speaking about more, a lot of folks knew me as kind of like the designer, because when you're working with brands, there's so much strategy that is under the surface. Like it's an iceberg, they're, they're all this strategy under the water. And then the little tiny iceberg on top is like the website that comes out of it or the copywriting that comes out. And that's what people thought of for me. They were like, oh, Rachel's just like the brand design girl, the website girl. And I'm like, no, I'm doing. So <laughs> in order to kind of do this long pivot, 
to, to helping to reorient people to me and see me more as business and marketing strategists, which is the real heart of my work. I started creating this higher level content to do that, knowing that this was not going to pay me back within the next year that it was now I'll tell you what, you know, it's 2022. I've been doing this for five years now. Those like that investment that I made in myself is paying off now and giving me the foundation. Like now, did I know at the time when I started that, that I was going to be writing a book one day about the, you know, about what I'm writing about. And that the fact that I did all of this kind of cornerstone content gave me a foundation that made it easier to write my book. I didn't know, but I knew like in general, okay, this is going to help me reorient people towards my brand. It's going to help me give me a foundation that I can then, you know, use as a launch pad that I jump off of where I'm jumping to. I've got some vague ideas, but I don't really know exactly. Well, now I know a little bit more. So it's like, it's, you're doing both. You're doing the long game. You're thinking, you know, you're making investments into the future of your business, but you got to hold loosely. Like I had people come in and they're like, I've got this 10 year plan. And it's like, you know what? You don't know. You got, you're making a theory right now that you haven't fully tested. So it's like short game, long game, short game, long game. You always kind of got to be doing both at once. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I love that you mentioned that because even for me doing live videos, I knew I was an educator. I was going to be going on platforms, which I did and all that stuff. But I did the live videos. So I'm like, I need to practice. I need to get more comfortable, like talking to strangers. And then all the other things happen out of that, you know, but I knew it was going to help me for the, the long game. That's what kept me going, even when I wanted to quit. And I was like, I don't want to do a video today. Um, but like you say, we always do it behind with the strategy, but with a little bit of the unknown, like we know it's going to help us in the long term, you know, how, but how we'll let the how come along. <laughs> I like to say the content you create today is a gift you're giving your future self content marketing and marketing in general is not about short-term games. It is, it, it is about giving your future self a gift. Cause like you said, you know, you might not feel like doing a video today. And I really had to practice that because if you're busy in your business, it's like a shoemaker shoe thing. Like I was busy in my business. I had tons of client work to take the time out to invest in my video marketing and to creating this really amazing content. That was very hard because it was always easy. I was out for years. I was like, I'll do it when I'm not busy. I'll do it when I'm not busy. I'll do it when I, well, that day never freaking comes. You know what I'm saying? You're never not busy. So then I had to say, I am giving myself this gift. I have to care as much about my brand as I care about my clients. And so I had to get, but, and I love that you do live video because for me, the way it started Celeste was that like, I needed the outward accountability. I need So what I just started doing before I got to my higher production value videos is I was like, yeah. okay, Wednesday at 11 AM, I'm going to show up every Wednesday. And the fact that people were expecting it, or at the very least, I told them I was going to do it. I didn't want to look like a jerk who said she was going to do something and then didn't do it. So partially it was like me making myself public accountable so that I wouldn't get in my own way because there's always going to be something, especially when it's something that makes you uncomfortable or is hard. It's always going to be easier to be like, you know what, I'll do that tomorrow. And it's like, no, I told my audience Wednesday at 11 a.m. And that's how it started. And I did like 50 of those or, you know, 40 of those or something. And then, and I had the information from doing those kind of messy lives to say, okay, if I'm going to invest in these higher production quality videos, now I know what works and doesn't work for me, what I like to do, what my audience likes. So now I actually have the information that I need to invest on a higher level, both in terms of time and resources in these better videos. So it's hard though. It's hard to invest in yourself. 
It is. And it takes a lot of accountability with yourself. And that's the thing, no matter how many coaches and programs and courses and all this stuff we get into, like, it's going to come down to you. Like, are you going to be accountable for yourself? Because I think it's so important, like to even, I appreciate you sharing this because I mean, you guys have to watch her show. Oh my God. It's fucking amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. But even for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like how does she do that and then like she you know she's sharing behind the scenes you know she started doing her lives and doing what work and everything it was a process nothing just happens overnight magically like boom the show came on it was a journey that's it it's the adventure the freaking adventure and as we get ready to wrap up this podcast i would really love to end with this topic because i think you're like the perfect person to talk about this so with online education, like I have spent over $60,000 in education. I know that's mucho dinero, mucho dinero. And I've made mistakes in the beginning, right? We trust people because they're educating and we're like, oh, it's okay. They know what they're talking about. And sometimes we take classes or courses and we know more than they do. And it's very disappointing. And with all these promises and all this information out here, like how do we protect ourselves in regards to education? And for all of us that are in the education space, how are we more in integrity in this world of everybody is an expert? Oh my gosh. Well, I've got an answer and it might not be super popular, but you know, there's a huge <laughs> emphasis. I gotta tell you the amount of people that come through my door and they're like, it's time for me to scale. Like I've built my course or I've worked with a bunch of clients and now I know that what I do is really good and I want to take it to thousands. I, I caution them around that because, all right, first of all, how do you decide which courses or programs to invest in? Like, which is legit? I a hundred percent recommend that you don't spend big money. And I would say anything like over a few thousand, like 2000 plus dollars. I don't recommend spending that type of money, whether it's two or 10 or 20 or whatever, unless personal attention is a massive part. And the expert or the leader who's leading it is the one giving that attention versus I'm going to buy some big program that's got like 10 sub coaches. And maybe I'll get into a hot seat for 15 minutes a week where they'll give me a little bit. Of, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Nobody can scale information. Like, you're, you're essentially paying for a branded version of what you can find for free on Google in that case. That is the truth. You're paying for somebody else to package up information that really is honestly already free. Because if you want the basics of almost any industry, you can find it on Google or you can find it in the library. So then it's like, okay, why am I choosing to learn from this person? I trust that they've packaged it in a way that's going to be like, make it really simple and easy for me. Cool. But in that case, if you're not getting any personal attention and personalization, you shouldn't be paying high ticket prices for it. It is a huge markup that you're paying essentially for the proximity to a personal brand. If you're going to pay big money for this type of stuff, or if you're going to charge big money for this type of stuff, this is where I say it's not very sexy because people are like, no, I want to scale. I want to make my millions. And it's like, yeah, but you're going to sacrifice the quality that you're delivering to your audience. So either have that information at an accessible price point, or you're going to charge big money you need to be giving big attention, automate the pieces that you repeat again and again, and then invest your extra time in you being present and giving people, like if you're not getting tons of tailored energy and attention, if the person leading the program doesn't know you and your business intimately, you are getting ripped off. So 
I would say that's why I recommend, you know, you talked about like, oh, smaller brands versus bigger brands. In this case, I always recommend working with a smaller brand that's going to give you a ton of FaceTime versus you're going to work with one of these celebrities where like, yeah, you might be in a webinar with 300 other people or 50 other people or even 20 other people. That's a lot of other people. I've been on calls where it's 20 other people and everybody gets their, you know, 10 minutes and that's just freaking not enough. You need lots of time with somebody who is, I like to say, you need a tailor, not a big box. You know, you're not, you don't need a target. You need a boutique that's going to, you know, look at you and tailor the information to you. Cause like I said, I don't have a scaled way of helping every business in the world. I need to know who you are, what your industry is, who's the audience, what, it, and like, what's the, the specifics of you? What kind of resources do you have? What kind of team do you have? What kind of time do you have? Anything I'm going to tell you in terms of advice will change tremendously based on all of the answers to those questions. And in those big, giant, big box experiences, you're not going to get it. So if you're going to buy or sell information, essentially, without any real personal attention, that should be at a smaller price point, an accessible price point. And if you're going to sell a high ticket program, it needs a ton of personalization. And I mean a ton. So that would be my, my thoughts on the matter. And I love that because it's so true. I've been in so many programs. There's like 500 people in there, 100 people, 50. You do not get that. And then there's this one program. She's amazing. Um, she has taught me so much about video. But even with her, because not everybody shows up to the live calls, it's just five of us and we're in there for like two hours. It's amazing. I love it. It's so like a high touch point. And for me, it's like super affordable. I can't even believe how cheap it is. Um, but I love that. And I love that you're talking about that because it's true. Like what I may struggle with, you may not struggle with that same topic and you need that personalized attention and you can't, I mean, I'm in the beauty industry, but we, even with makeup, you can't do the same makeup look on everybody. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely not. So there's really not an industry that I would say that you can scale that information to everybody. It's just not, it's just a myth. So Sorry to everybody who wants to take their course and scale it to a bazillion people. I mean, if that's the case, if you're at that place in your business, you make the money on volume, which means you've got a lot of people in your audience and they buy a smaller ticket item and that becomes profitable. That's an equation where it can work. People don't like that though. They're like, oh, but I don't have the audience. So how do I make a bazillion dollars with no audience and no personal attention? And I'm like, you don't talk to me. That's who that's, I'm not going to tell you anything. Like I can't help you. That's the sad truth. <laughs> but it's true. It's like the personal attention. I think we've gotten so far away from that too. You know, with everybody like you, so easy to do an online course, so easy to put everything on a computer and here you go buy it. And it goes back to us and being in integrity also with our business and what we're trying to provide. Again, for me, um, as I'm going into teaching others how to do their own mobile businesses, I'm like, I want to do a small, intimate group coaching and also offer hours where if they have a question, I'm there available for them because I know they need that type of support. I wish somebody would have given me that type of support. Um, and with all the noise going on out there, I think it's so important that we start listening to ourselves, to our intuition as well. You know, not just all the experts. That's what everybody's doing. No, no, no. Agree more. I love it. Oh, Rachel. So to end this, what is there something else you want to share with us? I am so honored to have had you on the podcast. You have been flipping amazing, 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 I must say. Thank 
you. I trade, you know what? Validation is my love language, Celeste. So you found the ticket. You know, I think, uh, I think that, you know, the people who are listening to this should not be afraid of their own questions, should not be afraid of their own confusion. Like that is the ticket. Like, I think that we all want to pretend like we know everything. And it's like, you know, in my podcast that I run, I'm all about like, we're not, I'm not here to give you the answer. Nobody can give you the answer. The right guides are going to give you the right questions though, that leads you onto the next like point in your own adventure. That's what I think that people should be on the look for is the folks out there who are asking the questions that make people go on, because it's all about, I can't give you the solution, right? Um, I, in fact, one of the things that I see so often, especially as I've run an agency is that when people hire an agency or they hire a coach or they do a program, they just like kind of stop asking questions. They're like, ah, somebody else's job, they're going to hand feed it to me. And it's like, no, the most successful clients that I've ever had, honestly, I'll tell you what, the truth is they already were successful coming in the door. So that's number one. They already had a special something that they, they didn't need me to like pull a rabbit out of a hat but it, they aren't the clients that, that delegate everything. I'll tell you this, like delegation is an important skill and it's important. And you, it takes time to figure out what are the things that you can effectively delegate and what needs to stay on your plate. Mm-hmm. But the clients that I've seen over the years that have built massively successful businesses, they are always learning. They're always got their hands in the pie. They're not just expecting that somebody else is going to come in and take it off their plate completely. They continue to be on the adventure. They continue to be students of business. They never get so you know, and they, and they really honestly are, are Renaissance people in the sense that they're, that they are experts at a lot of things. And yeah, as I said, it's important to understand like, okay, what's my zone of genius and what is the thing that only I can do and nobody else can. And what are the things that I can delegate? And I got to tell you, like some of the bad news is marketing is one of the last things that you should be delegating. And I know that people don't like to hear that. They just want to hire a company to come in and just like take over their Instagram or just like do all their content for them. And that is like the surest way to waste your money. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, like marketing is one of the hardest things to delegate because it really requires such an emotional connection with your audience, a deep understanding of your, of your, your clients and your audience's pain points it, and under, you know, a deep understanding of what it is that you and the things that you bring to the world can do for people. And if you're, if you're not doing it yourself and becoming a master at it and you want to hire someone else to do it, it is expensive. So you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to get somebody that you hire off of like Facebook for 200 bucks a month to do your Twitter to like change the world for you, unless you're selling overnight success. In that case, I don't know. You might be able to find somebody who can just, you know, and, uh, but there's a, there is a ceiling that will burst on that. So, you know, buyer beware, but uh, that would be what I would say. Stay, remain a student of your business and the cap to your success is, is, uh, I wouldn't say unlimited because we all live in the, within the reality of capitalism, but there's far fewer limits when you don't limit yourself to thinking you know it all. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for having shared that. I think it's so true. Remain a student forever. And I really want to appreciate you because I listen to your podcast and I am an affiliate. <laughs> She's like, oh, there she goes. For Wait a minute, you are? You're affiliate for what? For me? That's news for, to me. Wait, for what are you affiliate for? For um, Amy Porterfield, for DCA and Liz Builder Society. And you know that this, what was what the clause called? What was that? This- oh, the non-disparagement that you signed. Yeah. 
So when you, well, you don't just sign it, but you agree to it in the terms and conditions when you purchase the course and when you become an affiliate. Yeah. So I actually emailed them and I was like, Hey, so is there a non-disparament clause, you know, cause I looked it up and I was Googling it and I was doing my homework. And I'm like, is there like an, an LCB and an LBS, which is a list of society and DCA? I'm like, cause I need to know, cause I don't stand for that. I'm like, so I need to know if that's, and they told me no. So. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you that that's a, that's an interesting turn of events. I would encourage people when they're buying. So I'm not going to speak to Amy Porterfield. There was as of 2021. Okay. So that's the last time I personally checked DCA specifically. Yeah. Um, but I know for a fact that B school, for example, when you buy B school and you click the little box, that's like, I accept the terms and conditions. If you scroll all the way through it, you will find a, a, a disclaimer very similar to what Amy Porterfield used to have. Maybe she's changed her ways. Um, so I don't, you know, that, great. Let's all, li let's learn and change. But you, you'll find a little disclaimer that says, I will not say anything negative in writing, in text, in my dreams, when I'm like, you know, in at, by accident, ever in any way about this program, about Marie Forleo, about blah, 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 blah. And so I, you know, it's, I, I recommend anybody buying one of those programs because here's the thing. Now it's not just those guys that, that do that or had that at one point, but they include those types of statements in like the boilerplate templates that they give to people. So these are pretty, you know, rampant throughout M many people selling courses today have those things, but I'm relieved to hear that maybe Amy's changing her mind. Maybe she's, uh, things are changing over there. Okay. All right. Yeah. I want to share that with you, but see, this is what I mean. Like sometimes it's not just about just listening or just and taking information. It's also like do your homework. Like I tell you guys on this podcast, don't just listen to me. Don't just listen to our guests. Research. Be your own little investigative unit. Yes. And see this is awesome. That's exactly literally the best case scenario of anything that I'm doing right now is like take the information and you go do your own research. Yes. Go investigate. Next time you buy something online look through the terms a little bit more carefully because that particular uh, clause in Marie Forleo specifically um, was bare. I was like, I got through the whole thing. I'm like, oh, I think she's gotten rid of it. Oh my God, it's not here. And then I found it. And then I found out like, damn it. You don't, you hit it. You hit it in here. So. But I think it's so true. Like, so let's look into all those details and make sure that we know what the heck we're getting ourselves into because even all those guarantee clauses and all that stuff. And that's what I mean. Like be with, with integrity within yourself and ethically and do your research, you guys, before you invest. Don't just trust, yes. like, you know, like be your own little investigative unit. And I appreciate you so much, Rachel. It's been such an honor having you here. So thank you for spending over an hour with me today. <laughs> Which was the highlight of my day. So thank you. I really appreciate you. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon and watching your shows because they just bring so much laughter to my day. So thank you. And let me go here.